You're listening to Shane the Catskills in conversation with a podcast where I get to talk to my favorite artists, esotericists, writers, organizers, spiritual and creative workers, and people who I think are doing really interesting shit in the world. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Shane the Catskills, a queer artist tarotist, intuition facilitator, pleasure activist, organizer, contemplative, library clerk, and author of the book, Tarot as Questions, published by Cosmic Doghouse Press. I'm living on a sopus land currently known as the town of Shandaken, Ulster County, New York, in the Catskill Mountains. Today, I'm in conversation with Corey Nakasue, an astrologer, writer, and theater artist whose work includes choreography, dramaturgy, and video. She's currently the astrologer-in-residence at Poetry Barn, Chronogram, and Opus 40. You can also hear her on The Cosmic Dispatch, a podcast describing stories from the cosmos as they're experienced on Earth. Corey holds MA degrees in choreography, performance studies, and theater from Middlesex University London and California Institute of the Arts. She's maintained a movement education and therapy practice for 20 years called Body Intelligence, and she's a professional consulting and teaching astrologer who fuses both modern and traditional practices. Her first poetry chapbook, The Cosmic Event of the Body, came out this year from Cosmic Doghouse Press. Corey lives in Kingston, New York. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to you, Corey. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Shay. I always, I always love talking to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So mutual. Um, so let's just like check in. How are you arriving to this moment? How, what is the quality of your body, heart, mind? Um, the quality of my body, heart, mind is um, I'm, I'm very pumped for <laughs> lack of a better word. Um, I'm, I'm having a bit of an energy surge. So that's, yeah, that's how I am right now. Um, and like we're on, we're on zoom you, and this is a podcast. And so people won't probably see my large gestures today. (laughs) Actually, we're, we're also recording video. So they will see, they will see your large gestures and get a feel for your whole energy situation. So yes. Um, And that's totally fine, even though it's morning and I haven't like judged. um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's okay. Here's to an energy surge at 1030 AM on a Monday morning. Like here's to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would, I actually prefer this to, um, what the, the other possibility of, you know, being lethargic or drained. Um, I just find these are provocative times. And so, um, a lot is getting underneath my skin (laughs) and, um, causing all kinds of little explosions in my mind and my heart and my gut. Um, and so a little feisty this mm. morning. Mm. I love that. 
Um, I am arriving. I had a bit of a lost weekend. I was supposed to do a, um, attend a facilitator training and it got, you know, um, rescheduled at the last minute. And so I had like two kind of full days open up and I really just did not know what to do with myself. And, you know, it was kind of, it was, it was great. Actually. I feel like it was well used in, in my own way, but it felt really good to get up this morning and I have a full work day and I'm like, ah, things are as they should be. So I'm arriving to this is, you know, my first bit of the work day. And um, yeah, I feel very energized. Here's to feeling energized by the work that we do. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I caught a glimpse of you actually over the weekend at the, <laughs> the community day um, that celebrate 845. Was hosting. And Shout I saw out you. to Jamie Sannon. <laughs> I mean, what an amazing person. Um, I didn't see you. I scurried out of there like the little hermit that I am. I like got my free reading from Aurora Brush and <laughs> scooted away. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I saw you uh, with Aurora and I was like, oh, good. She's receiving a reading. Which Love is so, it. so vulnerable, actually, to be on the other side of things. Um, it was such a great day for it. I was so glad that the weather was beautiful. It was. So, um, how do we know each other? How did we meet? So speaking of Aurora Brush, uh, who is the sort of visionary behind Cosmic Doghouse Press, they published um, both of our books, which is actually how we know each other was Aurora introduced us. And then you invited me to fill in for you on the Cosmic Dispatch, which was amazing, which actually I feel like was very much sort of... Um, a precursor to me doing this, having that experience of filling in for you with that show is like, oh, I, I want to interview people. And then, um, so we've gotten to know each other a little bit. I actually received a consultation with you, an astrology consultation with you that um, sent me into a bit of a tailspin, not in a terrible way, but just in a like, I can't pretend that I'm not who I am kind of way. Um, it was a, an amazing reading. Um is there more that you want to say about, about how we know each other? Well, actually, before I invited you to sub for me, um, after Aurora introduced us, I invited you as a guest on the show. Oh, my gosh, yes. And I believe it was during Gemini season or a Mars in Gemini retrograde thing. And I had not even heard about your book which ha has, is, has to do with the question. And before I even um, heard about your book, I was thinking about, okay, what, what am I gonna talk about as far as Gemini season? What, where am I gonna um, center this Gemini discussion? And then I was like, ooh, the art of the question. The question is so powerful. And then when I was researching you and I saw the book that was, coming out, I was like, how, oh my God. <laughs> and so, and then we had a great conversation and I felt very um, in alignment with you in, in how we, how we value the question as it's as a, um, as a technology, as a, um, it's almost like even a, a sacred act that opens up a whole portal to 
just transformation, new ways of being. It's like so, so powerful. And people often um, don't recognize it as such. But when you work with the question and recognize it as such, like that's so powerful. And so we had that amazing discussion and yeah, we are like the, um, we are, we are the first book and the second book to come out of Cosmic Doghouse Press. And I hope there'll be many more books. I'm sure there will be. And yeah, that's. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me of our amazing conversation. I remember, um, about like five or 10 minutes into the conversation, I remember thinking to myself, this is going really well. This is really fun. I remember thinking that and because uh, it was, and we both have Mars and Gemini. And um, I'm actually have a lot of friends who have Mars and Gemini. And there's something about that. Um, do you want to, do you want to give a little gloss on Mars and Gemini? I know it can mean different things depending on like what sign it's I mean, what um, house it's in, but do you have sort of a shorthand for Mars and Gemini? Um, whenever we're talking about Gemini, um, it's multiplicity. And then we bring in Mars, which is the will and the drive and um, action. And so the way Mars wields its power in Gemini is it um, it attacks many different perspectives, many different possibilities, mm -hmm. um, many different items simultaneously. And you know, the problematic side of that is sometimes you get something that's like uh, a spray or a scatter with Mars and Gemini. But when used really constructively, I really think that Mars and Gemini is about synthesis. Mm. And instead of, you know, when we're, when we're not working with Mars and Gemini in a constructive way, we get this spray. And in synthesis, instead of this spray going out, I see reaching out to multiple things and pulling it in to a center or a locus of control or whatever. I love um, that. And so, cause yeah, Mars and Gemini and Gemini in general gets a bad rap as this, oh, what Jack of all trades, master of none. Oh, they're spinning all the plates and, and juggling. And I, yeah, okay, that could happen. But I also see it as the person who can take what appears to be a plethora of un, unconnected things and find the connection. And the connection is like one thing. It's like a nucleus or a center um, and who can kind of describe the connection between like all these like satellites but just, yeah, just shifting focus towards like, oh, look at there's all these separate things, which that that could be the case with Mars and Gemini, but it could also be look at how many languages I can use to describe this thing and kind of uh, there's this astrologer, Adam Ellenboss, and he always uses this phrase, um, turn the jewel. 
Uh-huh. So you could see yeah. right, all facets. Yeah, we use that. We would say that in Zen too. That was like a thing that got said at the monastery a lot, turning the jewel. Well, maybe he stole that from somebody because he has a he has a very deep <laughs> spiritual practice. Oh, so amazing. He probably got that from somewhere else, but. I really relate to the um, sort of not well-used versus um, a mature or refined or constructive Mars and Gemini. Like, I think that I, you know, was the queen of the like well-worded tell-off that was like my Mars and Gemini for many years was I could just like flay someone verbally quite, you know, um, incisively and quickly. And now I think that energy is um, focused on what you're talking about, which is, I love this idea of um, scatter versus synthesizing and and making connections. Cause I feel like that's a lot of, I mean, I wonder if this is true for you too, when you're doing um, astrology consultations, like when I'm doing tarot consultations, you're like listening to someone talk and free associate and, you know, um, and you're gathering what they're saying and, you know, um, refining it, distilling it, synthesizing it, and kind of mirroring it back to them in a way that's useful where they can see themselves and, you know, feel seen, which I think is like a lot of what people come for in a consultation. Um, and so Mars and Gemini is such a great, uh, asset to have in doing that kind of work. Do you feel like that's the case in your own consultation practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because it's easy to get lost in all the parts. I mean, like, and we all, we all do that. We get lost in, um, certain fragments of ourselves. And then over time that might just seem very chaotic and confusing. And which is why, you know, we even just have conversations with other people to, to, you know, help us or just to mirror back some um, other interpretation of all these disparate things that we we can get lost in. Mm. And also, you know, as, as a practitioner, I feel like the, the, the difference sometimes between like, just going to a really good friend and and doing that practice and someone who is um, a, for lack of a better word right now, professional or. Yeah, like, sure. Um, there, I think that's the job is to find how, how all of these, these seemingly disconnected pieces are connected and and create some kind of narrative that they can that they that people can work with and i also teach um and you like you teach as well and one like the one of the biggest um jumps in the practice i notice is when when people are starting out with their divination work I notice a tendency to, you know, they, they see a lot of different images, a lot of different symbols, and they're describing all these different things. And then the client still is kind of like, uh, at a, at a loss. It just still sounds kind of like a jumble. And then I feel like when practitioners really, um, come into their own 
is when they can do that synthesis work. They can look at all those images and symbols and interpretations and fashion something uh, more cohesive and coherent mm -hmm. as a, yeah, as a whole. I love that you're giving language to such a, uh, you know, um, a, a process that's hard to describe. It's so interesting to hear you say it because it's really true. You know, there's a way in which, you're, you know, this planet means this and this sign means this or this arcana means this and this position means this, but it's not an additive thing. It's a synthesizing thing. It's a, it's a being turning the jewel, like really seeing things three-dimensionally and, you know, um, being able to offer something sort of fresh from that synthesis is a, so how, I'm curious, like, how do you feel like you learned to do that in your own practice? Was it just like repetition and just doing it or how do you experience that process in yourself? Um, yeah, partially it's just reading a whole lot of charts and working with a whole lot of people. But I also, I have a background in performing arts and writing. Um, so I've, I'm like, that's, that's the practice, at least for me anyway, in, in um, composition is I'm, whether I'm, whether I'm writing or directing or choreographing, I'm, I'm standing back and I'm, I'm constantly trying to, trying to adjust something as, as far as a whole experience. I'm not just looking at, you know, this five minutes here or this paragraph there. At some point in that artistic process, I, I have to create a world basically, mm. especially like with, with um, narrative, like any kind of narrative art, there's, there's, I have to construct a world that an audience and even um, performers can enter into and know, know the uh, terrain of that world really well. And so, yeah, it's this storytelling. It also reminds me of something that we talked about in my reading, and I can't remember the exact, you know, placements, but there was something about having a kind of holistic sort of view and a very detailed view at kind of at the same time, like a toggling between, um, you know, sort of world creation and being able to zero in on something. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious how that, how that works for you in your, in your consultation work and even in your teaching work. That toggling, well, back to, if we're having like a, a Gemini conversation, um, it's about, it's about the connection and the relationship. If um, I'm zeroing in on a detail, at some point, I'm going to see what the relationship is with the whole. Is it, does it fit in? Does it support? Does it challenge? Does mm. it hate? Like what, what is the, the relationship? And, um, and also another thing I want to say about like our practices 
something I see a lot that I'm in disagreement with. I think there's there's a a tendency or an urge to also want all the pieces to fit together and make sense and all support each other and mm -hmm. all um, cohere beautifully. And I, I see that as a little inauthentic because in a, in a human person, in a human experience, there are parts of us that are still ours, that still belong, but their job is to conflict and to challenge mm. and to aberrate. And, and then in my connection to like my artistic work, I think that's what makes creative work exciting. And it reflects back to us that it's okay to not be like this perfectly composed whole where every, where you're trying to find the way everything fits together just so. And that's just not, that's not a requirement for wholeness. Mm. I love it. That's, I told you, I have like so many bees in my bonnet right now. <laughs> oh my God. We're catching you on such a good day. I, yeah. first of all, aberrate. I wrote that down. I'm just like, yes. And I just really, I feel like this is kind of what separates the kind of um, love and light, um, you know, uh, white Western spiritual uh, situation of wanting everything to fit and make sense and be nice. And <laughs> life is not like that, like at all. And it's not even like not like that. And that's a terrible thing. It's not like that. And it's like, that's, I mean, that's what makes it alive and interesting and something to actually be able to kind of work with and interact with. So I'm so, so appreciating that. Um, Oh my God, there's a kid. I feel like I'm having like a, a proliferation of things I want to ask you about. But one thing that I definitely want to ask you about, because as I was, um, you know, preparing for the episode and looking at your bio, like, like you've mentioned, you do a lot of different things. You are a writer, you know, a poet, you work with the body quite a bit as a practitioner and as um, someone who helps other people do that. And in a sort of, um, choreographing performance sort of way. And you're an esotericist, you know, you're a, someone who does a divination, like you have a lot of different irons in the fire. And I'm curious how that is for you. Have you always been that way? Do they feed each other? How are they in, how are these different parts? Because I really relate to that. I like to do a lot of different things. I can't imagine doing the same thing all the time. Um, so I'm just curious to hear about your experience with that and how you, how you do that. My, my experience with that is that that's always been a natural gravitation that I have not been encouraged in the world to, um, I've not been encouraged by the world to be that way. Um, especially, you know, when I was younger, growing up, there was always this question of, 
okay, but what are you going to settle on? What are you going to commit to? And I just, and then I felt bad. I felt shameful. I was like, wow, I, I you know, or mm. if you keep, you know, spreading yourself out like that, um, you're not going to be able to go very deep or be an expert in anything. This makes me oh mad. Oh my God, um, so hearing you. And, and I, I allowed myself to be tormented by that for a while. And then until I figured out and actually astrology helped me a lot to find language around this. Um, that's just not the way I work. And it doesn't mean that I'm never going to, um, to be really good at anything or taken seriously. Um, but even, you know, even recently in some circles of society or the world, I still get this, um, of course, what is it you do again? You do so many things. Um, I just can't keep track. Like, it's really not that hard. Um, you just, I don't know, you just don't want to um, open yourself to complexity, I guess. I'm sorry that it's not very simple for you to like put a label on like what I do, but that's just not what I do. Um, and when I started, the more I started to embrace it, the less it did feel like juggling. Um, I think I internalized for a while, everyone else telling me, oh, you do, you do too many things. It's going to be confusing. It's going to be hard to brand yourself. <laughs> like, all, like, And I internalized that for a while. Mm. And then once I started turning that around and embracing it, it really felt like when I'm when I'm in the theater, when I'm writing, when I'm with a client doing astrology, I realized it's all the same thing. The practice right. I'm doing is actually the same thing. I'm just talking in a different language or using a different modality. I'm just multilingual. I'm not saying or doing anything different. I'm not doing 10 things. I'm really just doing one thing in 10 different ways. Ugh. Oh my God. I feel like I'm like, I'm like learning about myself by listening to you. It's so like when you were saying I'm, I'm actually only doing one thing. I feel like everything that I do feels so completely connected that it even feels incorrect to say that it's connected. It, it's like, you're saying it's just, and in that way, that sort of notion that if you are doing many different things, you can't be doing anything deeply as opposed to framing that as actually when you when you are doing one thing in 10 different ways, that's a deepening in and of itself, you know, to have your questions and your examinations and your explorations and your experiments done in all of these different languages, so to speak, um, is like a whole other way of deepening. So I just, I love all of that. And do you, um, like, for me, artist is kind of like my umbrella term that holds all the different things that I am. Does artist function that way for you? Do you consider yourself primarily that's that's kind of what you're up to? Yeah. 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 Um, even 
even the the divination consulting work, I see that as part of my art practice. I I started playing around a few years ago with the term consulting arts. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's just, which is um, like uh, my work as a, a dramaturg. I'm pretty much doing the same practice when I work with a director or choreographer or writer that I'm doing when I'm working with the astrology and even with the body. Um, our, our own biological form is its own constellation of many parts that are integrated and systems and different interpretations and understandings of our own sensational body. Um, and it's still the, it's the same practice. Did I answer the question? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's so, it's so fun. I feel like we're, we we're such birds of a feather when it comes, when it comes to our work and it's exciting to, you know, be able to talk to someone where it's, it feels so relatable. Um, I'm curious a little bit about what do you, what is kind of a surefire way or what has been kind of a surefire way to when things feel like they dry up or nothing is happening you know, what are ways that you kind of infuse your practice with sort of juice or inspiration or get yourself going? Um, and, and also how do those periods of quietness or fallowness, how do those actually function in your, in your practice and your process? Ooh, I have, I have a hard time and this is something I'm like working on personally right now. I have a really hard time with periods of fallowness and lack of productivity. Um, I, I instantly want to feel the sensation in my body like I'm doing something. And I'm really, I'm actually right now, I'm really struggling with that. And I, but I think that's also different from when I feel things are drying up a little bit. Um, but when things are, when I feel like, like I'm hitting, I'm in a rut or it's just not juicy. Um, I, I just do the Gemini thing. I just, I leave it alone and I, I switch my focus. And then usually what happens is if I start working on something different or work with a new person, I go, oh, that that just gave me an idea for, you know, this thing that I I needed to leave for a while. And I'll I'll return to it with this like fresh um experience or a new enthusiasm that I got from from somewhere else. Um but yeah, the I'm still I'm still really and I I had a consultation with you about this. Um, I'm really struggling right now with um, like what what do I do when things are not blossoming all over the place like. 
is that really the only valuable experience in life? And do I just reject this, these times when things aren't popping? And of course, like, no, this is an incredibly valuable time. And I'm, I'm really trying to change my relationship to it. And so um, right now I'm just, um, I'm having a lot of these conversations. I'm reading a lot. I'm resting. I'm tending to my body and I'm mm. just holding space open and working on my patients and trying to listen. But also you're catching me like at this particular moment in time when things are starting to pop again. <laughs> so much yeah. more comfortable with that. So appreciate your transparency around your struggles. I mean, it's so real. I really relate. I was saying um, to a, a painting group that I'm in that, you know, I used to sit still and do nothing for a living. And that like, that was normal. And now it's like, you know, that productivity thing is so incredibly insidious. We come by it honestly, we know where it comes from. Like it's the whole cultural driver. Nevertheless, it's like in, in the body, it feels incorrect, like rest or, or just doing nothing, you know, being physically awake, but not doing something is like, you know, the body loses its memory after a little while of that. So I really just, um, appreciate you, your vulnerability and just your, you know, transparency about your process. Um, is there anything in particular that's helping you with that rest and tending and letting things be quiet? Um, what is helping me with that? Actually doing consultations. Um, I, I feel so privileged that I, and I get to I get to go through this process and experience on a regular basis where I'm sitting across from another person and most of the time they just open like their heart and are so vulnerable with me. And it reminds me how I'm, when I'm, you know, in these places of like, I, I feel confused, I feel uninspired, how I'm not alone, that something isn't wrong with me. Um, and it's because I, I, other people, I think one of the reasons it's so hard to not be um, showing, you know, the fruits of our our labor, or showing all of the shiny, exciting, glamorous parts of ourselves. It's we do that out of fear because we think everybody else is 
producing all over the place. So we have to too. And so I get to sit in these really private spaces with people where they say, you know what? I, I'm not doing anything. I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. I need a break, but, um, I'm afraid that I, I won't be, be valued unless I keep performing this thing. And then I get to go, right. That's reality. Yeah. And that, that helps. It's like, I, it's, this is totally natural. What am I, what am I doing? It's okay. Um, and so I think those vulnerable spaces where people are, are like, Hey, I'm, I'm not doing anything. I feel really forced to, but I, I can't, I can't cough up more and more stuff. I can't keep extracting from myself makes me, takes the pressure off me. And, and I also, I so relate to like, here's to having a, a vocation where that involves being with people in, you know, deep vulnerability and, you know, trust. And there's something about reframing people's struggles too, as like, also like I'm not alone. And also, you know, helping each other remember that to, to resist extracting more from ourselves to actually double down on rest and periods of fallowness is, is good for our personal organism and is also imp an important kind of culture work to support and, um, affirm each other in like, yeah, uh, every single message that you get is that it has to be more. And by not doing that, it is a deeply personal and spiritual act. And that is also a deeply cultural and political act, you know, by, by being aware of where that kind of particular form of suffering originates, you know, and to r resist it um, and to support each other. I feel like we need each other to resist it because the other forces are so strong. So for me, that reframe from the personal to the cultural has always given me more motivation for some reason. It just makes it feel larger than just what I'm up to. Um, but yeah, I really, how lucky are we that we get to do that with people? <laughs> I feel, I feel so, so lucky, so honored. Um, like, especially Yes, yesterday I gave I gave free readings for the celebrate um, event, and most of the people who were sitting in the chair across from me were people who would just never be able to afford my rate or the rate of a lot of like. My rates aren't exorbitantly high, but it's a it's a chunk of money that a lot of people don't have. Um, and most of the people that were sitting across from me were queer, marginalized, and um, mental mental health issues, um, and. It was, it was just really, it was, it was humbling and empowering 
to be able to go to this place. You talked earlier about being seen as like one of the primary, especially for um, queer people who are so marginalized for many reasons. So living in a world that constantly misgenders, misrepresents, these people are walking through the world not being seen, being which is dehumanizing. And we get to do this practice with people where, um, like for me, like in my astrology practice, I'm looking at invisible architecture. I'm looking at, I'm trying to describe their nature we're, we're looking at things like the soul, if you subscribe to the idea of having a soul, um, has nothing, gender can change, um, beliefs can change, life circumstance, jobs, all of that can change. And when you're not looking at a person through all of those lenses, what do you do? What's your orientation? What's your gender? there's a level of connection that's just um, vitalizing. Mm. And so to be able to read for these people who they just, they're so rarely seen and then to see their recognition and they're recognizing the way that my brain is working and the way I'm seeing, like I feel seen too. Mm. It's just so phenomenal I just like that's the experience I had yesterday it was so gratifying and so it was wild it like really enlivened me I'm still kind of on a high I love it were you just pulling up people's charts like right I was there doing, doing cold readings wow wow and and like and the people like these people don't like another like hats off to celebrate. These people don't get opportunities to like have these experiences all the time. And so when they would sit across from me, like they weren't messing around. They knew they had 15, 20 minutes and they just like opened right up. Wow. And like, if you open up to me, I'm going to dive in. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. It was I got, I got hugs. I got like, it was, it, it was, it was just great. And then they'd go over to Aurora's table and get some tarot. Like it was just, it was such a pleasure to do that. Um, but yeah, just sh shout out to celebrate eight, four, five, which is, uh, there it's not a nonprofit. It's a, it's a organist. It's a formation that is, um, about, uh, artists in the Hudson Valley, Ulster County area, and um, really lifting up and bringing into the light and supporting artists um, with multiple marginalized identities. And Jamie is, am I saying her last name right? Is it Jamie Sannon? Is that how you, yeah, she is kind of the visionary behind Celebrate 845. And she just put on an amazing event yesterday. And, you know, she really recognizes that it's not it's not just like the so-called necessities. It's that that um, you know, 
divination is actually an, an, a necessity. You know, being seen, feeling seen by larger unseen forces is something that we all need. And by Jamie inviting tarotists and, and astrologers to come and, and read at that event, it's just really beautiful. And I'm so glad that you got to do that. And, and lucky them um, who got to to sit across from you. Yeah, I mean, when, when the culture is trying to erase queer people from public life, um, to be seen at a level like that is um, such excellent medicine. It, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And it, it was, it was radical. Like the work, the work Jamie does is truly radical. There's a lot of people out there saying they're doing um, what, revolutionary yeah. work. Um, Jamie, like, really sticks her neck out and that's that's to me that's radical if you're not sticking your neck out it's performance sorry not sorry yeah uh, I feel like I'm gonna have to reach out to Jamie I want to talk to her too <laughs> yeah that'll be an amazing conversation I feel like you and I have several more conversations in us in an ongoing way but at this moment I want to shift gears into the quick fire round before I do that though is there anything in particular that you just want to say or make sure we get to or that you want to like lift up before we move to that part of things if, if I do it'll <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I would love for there to be a part two Oh my gosh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Because um, I feel like I just have more notes now than I did before we started. So in the quick fire round, you and I are going to answer these questions um, to whatever extent we want to. What are you practicing right now? I'm trying to make better friends with the state of uncertainty. Oh. <laughs> right into the deep end of things. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I'm practicing um, reps. I'm practicing just like reps. I'm like working out reps, sketchbook reps, just like just putting in reps is what I feel like I'm practicing right now. This like feel how you want about it and just do it. You know, that feels like uh, something that I put down for a long time and it feels like it's time to pick it up again. So that's what I'm practicing. Um, what or who are you listening to right now? Um, am I listening to, uh, there's this, there's this podcast that I I'm just starting to get into. It's called upstream um, and it's, a it's of all things, an economics podcast, but of course, you know, economics reaches into all sorts of other things, um, culture, the arts, um, social, social issues, um, but that's been really thought provoking. Um, yeah, that's. That's the new thing I'm listening to. Um, I just started listening to Jenny O'Dell's book, Saving Time. 
uh, I've been sort of thinking about time and revisiting some teachings, Zen teachings about time. And anyway, her book, Saving Time, is really uh, doing it for me right now. Speaking of podcasts, I just want to say that um, Corey's the host of the Cosmic Dispatch. And while um, there's not new episodes happening, there is an archive of how many episodes, Corey? Almost 100. Almost 100 episodes, which you know, are, have evergreen content in them. So if you are interested in astrology, you can go through that archive of episodes and find all manner of um, juicy, delicious things. Speaking of listening to things, um, what are you reading right now? I like, you know, like a true Mars and Gemini, I have like 10 books going. Um, what's the most? There's, there's this book from a small press that I really love called Semiotext, which is, um, they, yeah, they produce awesome things. And I have this book called Playing Monogamy, which is really, really, really interesting. It's kind of asking, I mean, it's doing a lot of things, but one of the most interesting things it's doing is it's asking the question, um, how have we been using monogamous relationships to hide from the precarity of the world and society? And why don't or how can we make um, our daily lives in connection with all kinds of humans an intimate act? Why does like the intimate act have to be reserved for like one very specific type of relationship in the hopes that if we can get into one of these relationships, we're safe, which is bullshit. Um, so that that's that's one book. And writing that of, down. Yes. Yeah, it's it's good. And then speaking of economics again, um, I've been visiting this website um, called Naked Capitalism, another uh, economic blog. But again, it's like it's it's reaching into all facets of of life and just really seeing to what extent capitalism just has its little, you know tendrils in everything it's really it's fascinating it's a good way to get news too because getting news is hard and problematic right now so true um i feel like i have this amazing list of things to explore as i'm listening to you um i'm reading in preparation for a, a professional training i'm starting later this month i'm reading the art of giving and receiving by betty martin who developed the wheel of consent framework. And um, it's based around the wheel of consent framework is sort of, it's a practice framework based around the question of how, how do I want to be touched and how do I want to touch you? Mm. And being the, the um, giver and receiver in, in each of those scenarios. And that the, um, the gift 
is dependent on who is it for. So you can be the one getting touched and it's for you, or you can be the one getting touched and it's for the person who's touching you and sort of separating those pieces and having the embodied experience of what each of those giving and receiving, doing and being done to experiences. Your face, like, let me just tell you, I'm reading this book and I'm like, is there anybody out there who's like, I'm like putting a, I like put a call out on social media. Like are any local people, have you read this book? Because, um, number one, I need a homework buddy, um, for when this training starts and number two, because it's blowing my ever loving mind. And I'm like, wow, every child should learn this. Like when they learn how to tie their shoes and like tell time, they should learn how to like discern how they want to be touched and how they want to touch and like what those things feel like. And then also learning what your limits are. So if someone wants to touch you a particular way that you don't want that you're like, actually, no, you know? And so it's blowing my mind. Cause it's like, I was first exposed to it in a class I was taking with a somatics facilitator and they showed the framework and I looked at it and it was like, it was like hearing the Dharma for the first time. I was like, that's true but I don't know it for myself yet. (laughs) That was how I felt when I looked at the framework. I'm like, that's true. And I have no idea what that means. And I need to find out. So I'm hot on the trail for that. Are you going to put the the name of the book in the show notes? I will. I will actually. Yeah. And I would love to talk to you more about that incidentally. And um, I'm also reading a book called Sand Talk by Tyson Yunkaporta, who's an Australian Aboriginal academic and artist. And uh, I read the book when it came out and I'm reading it again for a class. And it's about indigenous ways of knowing and, you know, really takes apart uh, from an indigenous perspective to look at Western culture is to really take it apart and, and, and visibilize things that are like normalized and made invisible from inside of Western culture. So that's fascinating to me. Um, what are you watching right now? It could be media, could be other things. Um, the first thing that comes to mind um, media wise is I just finished Sex Education. That's on Netflix. It's final season. Um, and it's a it's a show that is so refreshingly intelligent and human and unique, which when trying to find something to watch on television, it almost seems impossible. <laughs> For me anyway, I'm like boring, boring, boring. This was, um, yeah, if you haven't checked out Sex Education. I watched, was it the... Was there one other season one I watched of it? It was amazing, I thought. Yeah, they, um, yeah, the fourth season like just dropped recently and I, I binged it. And then that's the, the last season. It's really good. It's, it's a good show as a series. Yes. Um, I am watching Fall Unfolding and the Changing Light. I am also just binge watching um, artist talks and artist interviews. I just, it's like my favorite thing. There's this 
um, YouTube channel called the Louisiana Channel, which is the Louisiana Museum of Modern Art in Denmark. And they do these amazing studio visits and artist interviews. And that's just like, you know, gets me hot and bothered is watching artists talk about what they're up to in their process. Um, what question are you living into right now? I think I asked this, um, <laughs> this is a big one in my session with you. I'm still living into it. Where does Eros live? Like mm. aside from, from sex, definitely lives in sex, but where else? God, that's such a good question. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on a investigative journey there. I just had you like a little vision of you in a little Sherlock Holmes hat, like, you know, oh, with your... <laughs> Okay. Um, similarly, my questions I'm living into are how, are how does it feel and what is the sensation? So I feel like there's a Venn diagram of those questions there, actually. Mm -hmm. I love totally. that. Um, what is keeping you up at night right now? Oh, <laughs> well, luckily, like literally I sleep well, but I know, I know the intent, um, behind that question. I know so many people in crisis right now. Um, and just the big question, and as things deteriorate, the number of people in crisis for mental health, physical health, um, poverty uh, is gonna grow. I'm just really like, what are, what are things that, you know, we can build what needs to change to be able to help us. Um, and then aging, like what is in place to help, you know, um, I'm starting to like wonder as like my sixties are not too far away. I don't know how anyone is gonna afford any kind of retirement or how we're gonna care for our bodies and minds with our deteriorating um, medical system. That, that actually, that troubles me and worries me. And yeah, I'm in conversation about that a lot. So that that's worrying. I'm just gonna tack mine right onto yours. I feel like that was very um, um, well expressed and deeply relatable. So to shift gears from that, what's inspiring you right now? Well, experiences like I had yesterday um, and people, you know, the people who do the work that we do, um, who are like uh, divination artists, while it might sound to a lot of people like such a like insubstantial practice. A lot of the people I know who who do it are doing such profound creative work that can lead to real, real change. Um, and and all the people who are struggling, who are out of necessity, unfortunately, 
are coming up with wildly creative and courageous ways to still figure out how to find joy and and make connections with what's um, pleasurable and and amazing about life and that inspires that inspires me like someone who I'm not in dire straits and to 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 see what people can do who are yeah inspiring it's inspiring listening to you um say all of that um yes and also I feel like I say this all the time in answer to what's inspiring me now, but it's organizers, you know, people who are on the front lines of Stop Cop City, who are on the front lines of, you know, their neighborhoods and where they live, you know, um, agitating and organizing for life-giving um, ways of being together and really struggling against death-making formations and institutions and just people who are struggling for their freedom, you know, everywhere. Um, and that's, there's plenty of that going on right here in our own backyards, um, people doing that. And really, um, you know, like Jamie with that event yesterday of creating life in, in, community where you live, um, you know, meeting people's material needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, needs for community, um, that there are people out there making that happen um, every day, super inspiring. And what has your attention right now? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> um, where it's an astrological thing but i've i've been really um i they, we're in eclipse season we have, <laughs> we have our you know first eclipse in libra coming up this weekend so just honestly i've been and it's whoo it's it's um it's major. It is no joke. And it's showing up in, it's showing up in the world in almost too literal a way. It's showing up in communities and it's showing up in the lives of individual people. So I've been thinking, I've been thinking, yeah, that has my attention. The astrology, it's really um, astounding what, what, how things are configured right now far out. You have a particular view into things. Um, what has my attention right now is my art practice. And that's related to sort of doing reps, which is like, I sit around and I bemoan that I'm not like making anything or feeling inspired. And, and now what has my attention is just like sketchbook practice, you know, like doing scales, you know what I mean? Like just what has my attention is just like putting in sketchbook hours, you know, just like, um, not waiting for some magical, fully formed golden egg idea to land, but to just, um, be showing up during the day, um, in my sketchbook and, and following my unconscious that has my attention. And how are you evolving right now? Uh, I think <laughs> it's a big one. 
There's a big one. I guess there's some version of doing the work of trying to really separate what is me and what is my conditioning and and slowly trying to peel off these layers of conditioning so that I am revealed and that I'm not in relationship so much with my conditioning. And that's like a lifetime of work. But in, in these times, um, it's all been pushed to the forefront of my mind and during these times, it, it seems a little more available for me to see mm -hmm. like that, that, that thing that I, I do or that I believed in that that's not me. That is mm. something that was um, imprinted on me so long ago that I just kind of adopted as without, you know, without too much consciousness, that this is who I am, this is how the world is, this is how things work. And I'm starting to be able to see more clearly that like, oh, that's, that's not actually a reality. That's, that's a story or that's a misconception. And just, again, that's, a, that's a lifetime of work. But right now that, that just seems so front and center. Oh my God. I love that for you. <laughs> And, and relating to that too, myself, I feel like I'm evolving into a new relationship with my body. Um, you know, I'm almost 50. Um, I started working out and it's not like working out when I was in my thirties <laughs> and just starting to take more responsibility for my sensory and physical and tactile experience like as a, as a human organism that can feel things and sense things and, um, moments where I'm feeling like really restless or bored or whatever it is to actually be like, what is actually happening right now? <laughs> you know, like how, you know, how can I actually make contact with my physical organism, you know, to kind of just tune into this moment a little more fully than what my mind thinks is happening. Um, so oh I love that that's that's good <laughs> oh my gosh thank you for receiving that so fully it feels so vulnerable but it's like um it's where it's at right now it, it, re it really like this this is like my my other practice um I don't care if you're coming to me for PTSD or depression or a busted knee it's we're doing embodiment work and embodiment work will help all those things um, because I get, yeah, I'm very passionate about that. This is the interface through which we're sending and receiving all of our perceptions. And so if you don't understand, if you don't have a you know relationship with your interface, you don't understand all of the languaging, it's really hard to discern like what's actually going on. And so that's exciting, Shay. It's just, 
<laughs> it's exciting. And I'm kind of like, okay, so part two, we're going to talk about body intelligence. We're going to talk about your body intelligence work, if that's all right, because I feel like that needs its own. We're just going to leave everyone with a little cliffhanger right there. <laughs> um, because I feel like that really needs its whole own episode. Um, if you're up for it. So I, I will have a conversation with you anytime, anywhere. I just find you totally energizing. I, I really appreciate you. Oh my gosh, Corey. It's so mutual. Thank you so much for getting my week started off. Right. And it was just such a pleasure to, um, yeah, kind of share our enthusiasm for life. Yeah, that's what we did, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Corey. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. 